I had continued to send Holmes my reports, but I must admit that thus far I could make nothing of events. The basic fact, that of our client's grandson's disappearance, remained an unfathomable mystery. I was unable to decide if the boy had gone of his own free will, been murdered, perhaps so that another might inherit the estate, or if he had died, together with his dog, in some terrible accident, and as yet the body remained unfound. There was no shortage of suspects, with the Jefferson family, Josiah Culbrent, and perhaps those thieves taken by the inspector. It was even possible that there were others whom the death of the boy would benefit, but that as yet I had no knowledge of them. I opened Holmes' note and studied it. He had written, My dear Watson, I recommend that you consider the mind's implications. Holmes. I stared at this single line in the greatest bewilderment. The mind's implications? What implications? That it had proven a safe hiding place for stolen items until I came upon the scene? That it had long been believed to be closed off until I had proven that not to be so? that it had been the haunt of thieves, lovers, small children, and apparently escaped hens? Was I, I said to myself with awful sarcasm, to set forth to discover where else hens might hide themselves? Or was I to hunt out what lovers might have made use of the place for their illicit trysts? That idea lodged itself in my mind. It was possible that Holmes' meaning was that such lovers might have seen something— but would they have continued to use the mine once a gang of desperate thieves moved in? I thought not. But perhaps they could have approached the mine and only then discovered themselves preempted. Might they not then have chosen elsewhere, close at hand? I spent the next day scouring the immediate vicinity of the mine's entrance and found nothing. I visited Hampton on my way home and questioned him as to possible lovers who might have used the mine as a sanctuary. He could tell me of one couple, young folk whose parents were implacably opposed to a wedding. I managed to get the boy to one side, and by means of coaxing and minor bribery, discovered that they had never used the mine, preferring the more comfortable solitude of a certain hay barn, which lay far nearer both their homes. I decided that Holmes must have meant that I should investigate the thieves. I found Sir Austell, spoke to him briefly, and obtained his consent to my proposal. I then went in search of Inspector Powell. I have a favour to request. What can I do for you, Doctor? His tones were affable, which was no surprise, since I had heard that he was in high favour with his superiors over the capture of the thieves and the recovery of the property of two wealthy local families. I wish to speak to the thieves' leader. To question him about young Master Davin, I presume? I inclined my head, and he smiled a little. I have no objection, Doctor. You will get little out of the man, I fear. I've already questioned him on that subject and received nothing to the point. But you are welcome to try. The gang's leader and the footman's murderer was a villainous creature. He was black of hair and eyes, and a big, powerful man in his forties, who fixed me with a glowering look as I was conducted to his cell. I was not permitted to approach him, but given a seat back from the bars, although after that the man who had shown me to him left us to speak together in privacy, only sitting some distance away where he could see us both in case of some attack upon me. I fixed the man with a stare, and he snarled some epithet. "'Want to see the animals, is it? Look all you like.' 
I'll get the better of you, all of you. No one is keeping me here forever. He subsided, brooding and glaring. I took a sovereign from my pocket and tossed it, glittering in the lamplight to him. He caught it eagerly and waited. I have a question for you, Tom Walker, I said. That payment is yours, and there is more if you know anything of the story I will relate to you and the man whose name I will give you. He sat up, his eyes fixed on me. I promise nothing. I noticed that his speech was grammatical and not that of an uneducated man. How far had he fallen, and from what family had he come, I wondered. But those were not my questions, so I nodded acceptance of his comment and spoke quietly, making no long tale of the story.